Bears Nation podcast. We are back. Victory Tuesday. A lot to recap. As usual, we'll do the early week episode with the recap of the last game before we get to the preview later in the week. So let's talk about it. Bears win a thorough, I would say, beating of the Redskins, a a thorough victory. Um, A little nerve-wracking at the end, a little bit of a a little bit of drama at the end, but Bears pull it together just as we knew we would, they would. Um, you know, they get it done. Primetime Monday night, everything that we were expecting. So let's get into it. Boys, what do we think? Kevin, we'll start with you. Well, you got to be happy because, you know, we waited all year for this type of performance and we finally got it. And it still wasn't their best performance, but it, it's finally what we waited for. We saw the offense. Mitchell Trubisky threw a touchdown pass. Round of applause. So that's out of the way. And not yeah, only did he throw a- one, he threw three and he threw one hell of uh, that third one. Oh, my God. What a throw to Taylor Gabriel. I mean, the offense was flowing and Jake mentioned it got a little scary. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, the defense, exactly what we thought they would do against Case Keenum. The takeaways, just, you know, they are who we know they are. Uh, and finally, finally, we saw what the offense can do. And it's promising. And I think we're all just happy right now that we, we finally can see uh, what this offense is supposed to look like. Sweet. Go ahead, yeah, Chris. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, the offense was, was moving down the field. Um, and, and like Kevin said, you know, uh, there were, you know, some things that, that we need to clean up. But uh, overall, a very improved per- performance, um, offensively especially. Um, on defense, uh, I, I think we looked very solid. We had, like you guys were mentioning, um, we had that scare in the second half. And um, also – didn't really like how conservative we got on offense in the second half. Um, so I, I feel like that's that's one thing we got to focus on. But overall, pretty good team performance. Um, offense moving the ball down the field, and they look a lot better. So um, th- this is exactly what we asked for, and, and uh, the offense delivered. So um, not too many complaints for me about this game. So initial, for, for me, uh, initial reactions normally wear off. Like normally you're just like, Oh, this is how I feel, and then you start thinking. But my initial reaction after the game was I am now realized, and I think this is where we were last year. We just forgot because of how successful we are. We just assumed that our offense was there last year. Our offense has never been a powerhouse offense. Like That's never been something we've ever offered. Um, I mean, we've had our one or two games where just our offense was just beautiful and it all clicked, and wow, good job. But 100%, what I am – so excited about it's just man this defense is fire this defense is so good and um but i can confidently say that i am no i'm tired of the media focusing on trubisky like trubisky did his job trubisky got the game done and finished the game and even got some touchdowns on the board um but i'd say the first two touchdowns were because the the defense did so well. I don't I don't know how long their longest drive was off the top of my head, but I know one of the touchdowns was because of the tur- one of the turnovers. I'm pretty sure it was two of the touchdowns that were off of turnovers. Um, two yeah. of the three. So I am completely and totally on board with this defense, and this defense will get us to the playoffs again. And uh, and I believe Panero will get us to the next game, and then we'll, we'll, the rest is history. I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen after that? Because last year. The fact of the matter is if we had Pinheiro, if we had a kicker, we would have been to the next game in, in the playoffs. And and I think people forget that. They forget that it wasn't Trubisky's fault. It wasn't the defense's yeah. fault. 
It was literally a kicker's fault, and we were in the next stage of the of the playoffs. And and tonight, I mean, last night was just a reminder of that. This this team is a playoff team, and hopefully a Super Bowl team. And so I'm, man, my initial reaction was excitement, and I could care less what people think of Trubisky because this defense is legit. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, there was a lot to like about this game. There was a lot. To here's the thing, this is what we wanted, and obviously I wasn't on the preview uh, episode, but this is what you looked for. You looked for a step forward. Uh, you looked for the defense to just keep doing their thing, and that's what you got. And so I'm really happy with that. Mitch looked really good. Uh, I will say I'll agree with Chris's point that we played a little too conservative in the second half. Um, I would have liked to see Nagy go more for the win and step on their throat than play f- to not to lose, but. You know, everyone got better in this game. I think the play calling was really good. I think Mitch was really good. He took a step forward. And the defense, the turnovers, even the defense got better from the previous two weeks. Turnovers are awesome. And the defense had a handful of them, which is great. So we'll take that. And I'm really excited for what's to come. I'm really excited for the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a huge game next week, that's for sure. But looking back on this one, I mean, I think Jake said it, and Chris also said it on the on the preview podcast. You know, we weren't expecting Trubisky to come out here on Monday night and throw for 500 yards and four touchdowns. You know, what you guys basically said is just clean it up, right? Just clean it up and make the plays that you're clean supposed to make. And that is, and that's exactly what he did. I mean, it's exactly what you asked for. He made all the plays that he needed to make, and he he put the team in a position to win. And they beat a bad team. That's what good teams do. You blow out bad teams, and they 100% did that. And Trubisky did everything he could you know everyone's gonna bring up the one interception because they're gonna find hate any way they can and that's pretty much the only place that they can find hate in this one but you know the explanation for that apparently from Trubisky was he it was a predetermined thing he was looking at Allen Robinson the whole way because that's what you do you're down there at the five yard line and you throw the jump ball to your your top receiver that's what you know good play calling is but he thought Allen Robinson was gonna run uh you know it was he thought it would be a back shoulder throw but Allen Robinson kind of got caught up and and decided to go over the top so that's why the ball wasn't there but again you know his stat line, very, very good. I mean, I, I'd say it's a very good day for Trubisky. He made all the throws he needed to make, and, and he just cleaned it up and did what he needed to do, like you guys mentioned. Yeah, um, you know, I, I just I just um, want to be the first one to say that, you know, he, he did prove me wrong in a sense because um, I was – I had practically no confidence in him, if I'm being honest, even heading into the game. Chris um, was logged onto Twitter at like 11 a.m., just firing <laughs> off right. It was preposterous. I came back from class, and I'm just trying to hang out, and Chris is just blowing up my timeline. And I was just like, dude, the game isn't I, – I tweeted that, too. The game isn't for another seven and a half hours. Like, it's okay, man. Yeah, yeah no, no. Um. Just side story with that. So um, I tweeted that I, I thought that a lot of people would turn on Trubisky if he had a bad game last night. Um, and people were kind of just, I guess, you know, putting me on blast saying, oh, like some people already have you know, all this stuff and taking shots, whatever. So I just had to, you know, kind of just do my thing and defend myself. And that, that's that. Yeah. I, I, Mitch, if you're if you're listening to this, I love you. I, st- I always will love you. Um, just sometimes I, I just need you to be a little bit better. That, that's about it. That's the thing. So back to my, the point I was making earlier is we don't, I, I think people just need to identify who they are and it's life is t- 10 times less disappointing. Like everybody has these dreams of being like in this $2 billion 
man who's going to make tons of money one day. But if right, if you just recognize that you're just going to be a normal human being with a nice house, with a nice car, with a beautiful wife, and you're not going to make $2 billion one day, life is just 10 times better. So if Trubisky recognizes, you know what, you may not be a Hall of Fame player, but you're going to win two, three Super Bowls with this defense. Life is just so much better and easier. So I've just recognized, you know what, Trubisky, man, I don't know if this is silly. I don't know if I'm going to get backlash from you guys, but just recognize no, no. that you are not, uh, that, that Trubisky is not a Hall of Fame quarterback, and we're going to lean on this Hall of Fame defense, and I'm, and I'm okay with that. Honestly, I'm I'm actually really happy you brought that up because I've been thinking about that since the game ended last night, and I kind of feel like it almost feel feels like I've accepted the fact that he's most likely not going to live up to the number two draft pick of where we drafted him, um, and I think that's okay to say, and I, I kind of don't want to say I've lowered my expectations because that, that kind of sounds bad, but I've kind of just accepted – what he is, I guess, in a way. Um, and I'm not saying I'm not saying he can't improve, but um, I just don't. I, I've kind of lowered my expectations per se. But um, like like I mentioned, I mean, as far as as long as he's doing, you know, the things that he needs to do, doing his job. And me and Kevin mentioned that on the preview episode. As long as he's doing his job, I mean, I mean, this offense is good enough to get the job done, especially paired with this defense, who we know is most is arguably the, the top defense in the league. So um, I, I kind of just, he just needs to do his job. He just needs to do the little things and, and get the offense moving. That's about it. I mean, uh, a number two draft pick, if, if Trubisky gets us, no matter what that looks like, whether that's 200 yards a game with three touchdowns, if Trubisky gets us to the Super Bowl, he's worth that number two draft pick, number two overall draft pick. To me, that's, that's just what, to me, that's what that—that's what you draft somebody for to do their job, and if if we get to the Super Bowl with Trubisky on top of this defense, I I am perfectly okay with that, and I'm tired of the media bashing him. Like it, he doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. Like it doesn't, life doesn't work that way. Like like things just happen. Yeah. Patrick yeah. Mahomes just happened to work out for the Chiefs. Yeah. Like. How many times have we read an article that said nobody was was looking at Patrick Mahomes as a top draft pick? Like nobody was, and it just happened to work out. Just look at Tom Brady. So I'm tired of people saying like, look at the the draft the draft of the, whatever Tom Brady was in, and you can make the the arg- same argument. Like all these people took blank over over Tom Brady. Like <laughs> like you could literally make that same argument for. Mm-hmm everybody for the rest of time so it's just it's, it's so dumb to me but and I, i'm kind of hyped up right now because i missed two episodes so yeah <laughs> i have a lot to say but uh i'll let i'll let jake and uh and kevin kind of take over now here's the thing with and i mean still i mean we're gonna talk a lot about mitch this episode obviously because there was a lot to talk about with him and a lot of positives especially I what I really loved, and to Josh's point, is he doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. What the game plan in the first half, you know, the medium slants, a couple screens, one or two shots down the field every other drive or so. That's your bread and butter right there. That's what Mitch does for you. That's what he can do for you. He's not going to be Patrick Mahomes and make this magic happen out of nowhere. He's not going to make something out of nothing. He's not going to do these no look passes, but. You let Taylor Gabriel and Allen Robinson create for him, and you use David Montgomery to open up some play action and some RPOs. 
you're going to have a good time. Like, this is going to work. And I think that's what we saw. Granted, the Washington Redskins are not a great defense. They aren't a great team. They aren't a great defense. But this is still a game where you found out what works. Those slants, those routes over the middle, those short ones at the goal line to get open. Like, you have playmakers that can make things happen here and that can make guys miss. Montgomery, Gabriel, Robinson, even Burton. Like, there were, there were a couple passes right straight rockets over the middle to Burton. That yeah. I really like, that he just had to die forward and had like three, four yards to work with. I love that. That's your bread and butter. And then every now and then, I would still like Mitch to be better on the deep ball with the accuracy. But, you know, stick with what you know works. And you found out a lot of things that worked this week. Look, if there's one thing we know about Mitch Trubisky that he just excels at, and, you know, you could argue he- He's just as good as uh, Watson and Mahomes. I could even say that. It's, it's his ability to throw on the run. I mean, again, we've seen amazing things from those guys, but we've seen amazing things from Trubisky as well. And you saw in the first quarter, it seemed like every play that Matt Nagy was running was play action, play action, play action. Get Mitchell Trubisky out of the pocket where he thrives the most. I mean, his two best throws of the game were both rolling out, one for that touchdown to Gabriel, another one uh, along the sideline on the left side. And, you know, that's uh, going back to what Jake said and all the plays that he was running. I mean, Matt Nagy called an incredible game, and I think that's something you have to highlight as well. You know, everyone's bashing on him, you know, weeks before. He comes out, he calls a really good game against the Redskins, I, I think. You know, he put, you know, uh, Mitchell Trubisky in a position to succeed. He made things very, very easy for him, and he simplified. He simplified. All week they talked about, you know what, You know, maybe we gave Mitch Trubisky too much to work with, right, with the whole offense. They said, this week, all we're going to do, we're going to simplify it and let him play the game. And that's what they did. You know, they, Like Jake mentioned, short slants, you know, get guys open over the middle 10 yards. It's, it's not that hard. Don't overcomplicate it too much. And that's exactly what they did. They simplified, let Mitch Trubisky get out of his head, let him make the plays, let him do what he knows how to do, and, and just make it happen. And, and they did just that. So you got to be very happy from a play calling standpoint uh and hopefully you know that's kind of a realization like okay this is this is what's going to work for us we don't have to get too complicated we don't have to get too cute you know just do what works slants when guys are open throw the ball to them it's that easy and hopefully they'll build off that um real quick we mentioned we mentioned playmakers i just want to shout out to anthony miller he got open so many times I, i don't know if it's the football gods that want to, to destroy Anthony Miller's career with the Bears or what. But every time Trubisky threw to Anthony Miller, except for that one reception, is either too far or, or I don't know. But Anthony Miller is very good. I just want to make sure people know that, that Anthony Miller is very good. And I hate that every, every pass that was thrown to him was either uh, – not even either. It straight up just was bad throws. Um, didn't make it to him. Out of his reach, blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, the one catch that he did make, he, I mean, I don't know what the yards after catch stat was, but it was it was awesome. It was great. And um, we just need to get the ball in his hands more. Um, and I, I think I think that's, that's the point that Jake was making, is these playmakers are what make this team run. Um, like, you get the ball, screens, slants get the ball in the playmakers hands and they're going to make magic happen eventually it may not happen every single play but eventually someone is going to break off yeah yeah um i i completely agree with that i feel like you know people are kind of forgetting about anthony miller and it absolutely sucks because i i've noticed that as well uh josh that you know he he's throughout through three games so far i've seen him open plenty of times um, and it seems like Mitch either overthrows him, doesn't look his way, or just it, – it's I, like I, I 
can kind of feel him getting frustrated in a way because I, I mean if he's doing his job you know and and it's just not coming right now but um I, i'm just hoping we're able to give him the ball because he's he is one of our playmakers um you put the ball in his hands and then good things will happen um i'm still very very high on anthony miller um and i'm expecting um I'm expecting Nagy to find a way to incorporate him into this offense. Uh, any any quick thoughts on offense? Uh, any other thoughts on offense that we could talk about? Because I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Real yeah. quick. Yeah. yeah. Real yeah. quick. I want to talk about Anthony Miller because we're talking about that. You know, I will say that one pass on the left side. I honestly think it should have been caught by him. I. You know, Jake said. Trubisky was missing him all over the place. He was missing him, but I will say every uh, yeah, single okay. ball, whoa, whoa, every whoa, single ball whoa, hit him on the hands. Whoa. Every single ball hit him on the hands. I'm not saying he should have caught every ball, but the the one thing I want to know is he's still wearing that shoulder brace, which is restricting him from reaching out and making some of those long catches. And you know, again, he's a shorter guy. A lot of those balls were were there, hit him off the hands. And you know what the rule is? What they say is if you know when wide receivers will say if the ball hits your hands, you should have caught it. You know, I don't know how necessarily true that was for a lot of those situations, but it, it, they weren't insane overthrows, Anthony Miller. And I think one of those deep balls he actually should have caught. Um, but, you know, what we talked about in the previous episode was give him opportunities. At least we saw this week they were giving him opportunities and they were getting him targets. They got him at least five targets, I think. So that's what you like to see from that standpoint. Um, Anthony, yeah. Yeah. Anthony Miller is 5'11", 199 pounds. He's not a little guy. He's not little, but... Um, He's also, I, I would hope that the listeners would go and watch the film because I know I'm going off of just memory, but I'm pretty sure all of those passes were, th- that was my biggest frustration with the passes being thrown to him. So I just want to make that argument really quick, but I think Jake has something he would like to say. I did not say that he was missing all over the place. I said <laughs> I would like him to be a little more consistent on the deep ball. There were still a couple balls where he could have placed better and he could he could just clean it up a little bit more. Yeah, there were some drops and there were a couple miscues, but I would just like to see a little bit more touch, just a little bit more, because especially that was supposed to be his top quality coming out of college. You know, look, Jake, I totally agree. But, you know, this, this is the whole thing about the scrutiny, right? You know, not every quarterback goes for 100% completion rate every week. It, it doesn't happen. But when it's Richard Trubisky, one missed throw, and all and all people do is look back at the game and look at the one missed throw rather than, you know, the 26 completions. So, you know, look, people miss guys, and, you know, Based off the first two games, what we saw week three was was fantastic in my opinion. He's gonna miss guys. Every quarterback is gonna miss guys. Again, we're not we're not taking a you know we're not talking trash about Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff because you know they miss guys all the time. We're talking good about them because they win football. Well, Baker didn't win the game, but Jared Goff won the game. So you know we could talk about this all day, right? About Mitchell Trubisky and how he's over scrutinized and everything. But we just gotta come to accept the fact that. This was a fantastic performance. He only had six incompletions. Be happy with it. Uh, you know, I'll give Jake some credit. He could clean up a little more, a few more things. But, you know, guys miss open receivers all the time, whether it's a great, whether it's a rookie, whether it's just an average quarterback. It happens to everyone at every level. So uh, I think you're just happy with what we saw from Trubisky. What's, what's sad and kind of hurts my heart a little bit. So if he only had six incompletions and Anthony Miller had five targets, and he caught one of those five targets. Four of the six incompletions were to Anthony Miller, and that breaks my heart. Anyways, I just wanted to do the math really quick. And I yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. On the, 
On the Anthony Miller thing, I think he's still just getting healthier. You're still taking baby steps with him. He played most of last year hurt, and then he had surgery. I think, you know, you have your other guys like Robinson and Gabriel playing well enough where you can afford to bring Miller along a little bit slower. Yeah. Cool. So are, are we good with the offense? Can we move on to defense? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Chris, you got anything? Um, I actually just wanted to bring up the offensive line really quick. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes, we do have to talk about that. I, I'm just, Yuck. I'm a little bit disappointed. Um, it just, it, it, I don't think they've been terrible, to be fair to them. I don't think they've been terrible at all, but, um, just, they, they just don't look as sharp as they did last year, which is a little bit worrying. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not hitting the panic button or anything like that, but, um, I, I think they, they definitely have to clean you know, clean it up and, and, and do their part because uh, they're, they're letting Mitrovsky down on, on, on lots of plays. Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, quite frankly, I feel like moving James Daniels to center has just not been the right move so far. And I saw some people talking about it. And, you know, it's just we haven't when we saw that old line thrive even last year, two years ago. I mean, that's why Jordan Howard had a thousand plus rushing yards. Sure, Jordan Howard's a good running back, but I mean the offensive line was just making holes for him all day. He was running through him, and we just haven't seen that from a rushing standpoint. First, I mean every time Dave Montgomery's getting his yards, it's because he's bouncing off eight ta- eight tacklers and he's he's doing it all himself. It seems like the offensive line isn't creating great holes. The pass protection was a little bit better uh, last night, I would say, but they're just not creating those same holes. So I don't know if it's because the chemistry is off with James Daniel Daniels being at center, or I don't know what it is. What what do you guys think? Well, I think um, we can't. I think we can't understate. You know, when you lose Bobby Massey, you know that's still a starter. That's going to throw things off fair. at least a little bit. Um, I do think we might be seeing a change of switching of White Hair and Daniel again in the near future, though. It seems like uh, this Daniel experiment. It, it's not going the way you wanted it to, and you had one of the top units when White Hair was at center. Yeah. Um... I was actually, I don't know if you guys remember, but um, this was when it was, I, I believe, um, just us three. But we were, it was beginning of last year, and um, we were talking about James Daniels. And I'm pretty sure all three of us predicted that he would eventually move to center. Um, and it's just funny because it looks like chemistry is definitely off. Um, so I, I do want to see what they end up doing with that. Uh, maybe, I, and, you know, Cody Whitehair back to center makes a lot of sense, so. Um, we'll see what happens with that, but um, it, it kind of sucks because I was expecting James Dan- Daniels to transition to center and, uh, you know, do his thing. But it just, I mean, it is early, but it's, you know, how long do you wait? That's the question before you, you, you know, change things up. Right. Well, just just like a bridge, if any part of that bridge falls apart, the rest of it kind of falls apart. So I do agree, Bobby Massey not being there, the the miscommunication between – Daniels and Whitehair has got to be some kind of part of the, a weakness of the bridge. But at the same time, Charles Leno, a lot of sack from um, Joshua Sweat, who's no joke. Like that guy is Montez bit, Sweat, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, Sweat. Anyways, um, uh, I lost – man, being wrong messes with my brain. But anyways, my bad, bro, my bad. <laughs> no, no, it's, no, it's my own fault. I shouldn't be wrong. But anyways um, – Charles Leno did let that guy through, and he's that. I mean, that guy's no joke. He's he was vaunted um, to be one of the best uh, guys coming out of college. But he, as Leno being a top tier paid left tackle, 
left tackle, you've got to be, I don't know, I, I don't want to put too much pressure on it, but you've got to be better than that. Like, yeah, allowing a sack like that, but I don't know. Uh, where do you guys stand on allowing sacks? I mean, it's going to happen, right? Yeah, I mean, again, it wasn't too bad last night. And I will say, give a little bit of credit to Cornelius Lucas, right? You know, it's an hour before the game. Everyone's looking at the injury report, and they see Bobby Massey's out. And they're like, what the hell is going on? He had vertigo, which is why he was out. But Cornelius Lucas stepped in just fine, I think. You know, uh, there's a lot of people who are even hating on him for even being on the team, on the 53-man roster. So, you know, a hell of a job for him to step in and, and, you know, be good enough. But... Again, I, I, I don't know if the solution is going back to white hair at center, but right now it seems like the only answer. And, you know, we've seen improvements on every other facet of the offense. We've seen improvements from the running game. We've seen improvements from Trubisky, but we haven't seen those improvements from the O-line. But we know this is a talented group of guys. That's not the question. We know how good all these guys are. I mean, we know how good white hair and Kyle Longa Pro Bowl or Charles Leno Pro Bowl. We know how good these guys are. It's just a matter of, of putting it all together. And, you know, I have trust in them figuring it out, but if – you know, that comes from switching it around. I'm not opposed to that because they've been in that situation before. It's not like they're throwing white hair into center and it's as if he's never played there before. He's been there before. So I don't think it's too big of a deal if they want to make that switch. Yeah. Um, I just, I just wanted to uh, mention something. It's these last couple of years, our offensive line has been very, very good. Um, and I feel like getting lost in, in all this, you know, success from last year, is the fact that we really haven't had to worry about our offensive line for maybe, I want to say, three-ish years now. Um, so, And, you know, I feel like we take it for granted, but um, I, I'm just hoping they're able to, to you know, fix whatever is wrong in, in a hurry so we can get this thing underway um, and start start having the offense feast like we know, we, like we know they can. Yeah, I think that's a, a really big point about, not having to have worried about the offensive line in the past. Um, I think it gets better. I think, you know, when you have someone like Harry Highstand, especially, and just the talent that you have between long and white hair. And I mean, even Leno and Massey, like these guys are good. And Daniel is a rookie who has showed a lot of promise. I, I think they're too good to not get better. Um, whether they switch or not, eventually things will work out and it, they'll come together at some point. I think, I think getting Massey back will, will help a lot too. Cool. Um, guys, unfortunately, I am at a restaurant. So I, I am sitting at Olive Garden. I'm, I, I knew I wanted to hop on this podcast, but I do have to get back in uh, with my family and the rest of Bears Nation. I, I hope you know that I care about you and I wanted you to hear my opinion, but I do have to get back in. But, <laughs> but you guys keep going. Talk about the defense. I did want to say one thing about the defense. The defense was awesome. Uh, four sacks, nine quarterback pressures and like. Uh, on top of sacks, so it was just a ton of pressure at the, at the front, and then haha, Clinton Dix, just amazing, two touchdowns, one one uh, um, pick six, so just this great job overall. The defense, I'm so excited about this defense, is our identity, and I'm so excited about it. But guys, thank you so much for letting me hop on, but I am going to head out. Bye, Josh. See you, Josh. All right, you. Josh. Right, shout, shout out to the dedication of Josh Lyles for being at Olive Garden and still coming on the show. Can we get a round of applause for Josh Lyles? Let's just well give it up real quick. Well oh, yeah. There we go. Right, yeah. There we go. I don't know if I should be proud of this or not. I feel like I should be inside with my family. But <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you for the claps. But, uh, all right. Sure. I'll talk to you guys later. See you. All right. All right. All right. Let's keep it moving then to the defense. 
I mean, how much more can we say? Josh really summed it up a lot there. Ha ha was awesome. I think this was his coming out party. He's been really solid the last two weeks, but he has two interceptions on his own uh, against the Redskins. Played really solid. Um, Eddie Jackson, I mean, is a star already. Danny Trevathan with the forced fumble when Case Keenum for some reason thought he was on the goal line and tried to reach across. Khalil Mack was everywhere from the very first snap, it seemed like. Um, I mean, guys, how much more can we say about this defense? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, yeah, go ahead. My bad, Kevin. Um, oh, it, go, go, go. I know you got things to say, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I feel like we get on here and kind of pretty much say the same thing about the defense. Like all, everybody who's on the podcast every week says the same thing about the defense, practically just in different words. Um, because I feel <laughs> like there, there really isn't much more to say about this defense. Um, I, I mean, in my opinion, it's the best defense in the league. Uh, I don't think there's too much of an argument, uh, you know, otherwise. Um, I, I I just, I mean, I don't know where to start from the defensive line all the way to the DBs. Everybody's just doing their thing right now. Everybody looks good. Um, and, you know, Chuck Pagano has these guys looking amazing. Um, and, you know, we mentioned it on the last podcast that this, that the defense through two games looked looked better than the defense last year. And, you know, I'm starting to believe that even more after after this game against Washington. So, um, you know, the defense, I don't think there's too much to say about them. Just they're just phenomenal um, and they're going to do their job week in and week out. So um, just it, it's it's a blessing to not have to worry about that. Yeah, you want to know what's crazy is all of last year, the Bears, as good as they were defensively, did not get a game with five, four plus turn, or five turnovers. And they got that last night. So, I mean, just every time they just make a play when it's necessary. I mean, again, we talked about it getting scary late in the game. Boom. Dan Trevathan forces the fumble. I mean, a hell of a play. Khalil Mack is just a primetime legend. Actually, his first time in his career, he's had two sacks and two forced fumbles in one game. So he's a guy who's only getting better. I think right now I'll say it. He's winning defensive player of the year, which isn't really a bold prediction because it's almost like it's nearly expected. But again, it's just scary. And, you know, the thing I want to bring up. And I saw this on Twitter, too. I mean, gosh, Buster Screen, man, he's playing really well. And I know he was on uh, coverage when Terry McLaurin scored that touchdown. But, I mean, he had him blanketed, man. And it was just actually a very good throw from Case Game and a very good catch. But he was right on him. He hasn't been the liability we really thought he would be. And now you can start talking about Hog Clinton Dix as an upgrade over Adrian Amos after getting, you know, a pick six and just as quick as Adrian Amos got his first pick six with the Bears, which was like three years. So, I mean, you definitely could be talking – you should be talking. This is the best defense in football. Chris says it time and time again. It is true. There's no questions. And it will keep them in contention in every single game. And that's why, you know, you look at the top teams in the league. You look at the Chiefs and you look at the Rams and you look at the Saints. And those are all teams with good defenses. But, you know, they all have better offenses than the Bears. But you you come down to, to December cold weather football, and you just have questions on what team can get by the Bears in that atmosphere late in the year with that defense, and that's what's so valuable. And that's why, you know, people are putting the Bears pretty low on their power rankings list, but, you know, this defense, man, you just question how many even of those good teams can come up against this team and and put up points, and that's why I think Week 15 against the Chiefs is going to be such an incredible game because, 
again, every time you come against this defense, it's like a defense that any offense hasn't seen. You know, it's just a complete shock to them. And every time, I just, I just noticed this last night, every time the Bears play an opponent, I always see the opposing team's head coach make some face of disbelief throughout the game because they just cannot believe what the, 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 the guys are bringing to the table with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and all those guys in the secondary. So, you know, huge credit to the defense. Hell of a game, and it's going to be huge for the rest of the year. Chris, anything you would like to say about Buster Screen? Oh, yes. Um, I <laughs> would like to sincerely apologize to Buster Screen. Uh, <laughs> I've been zeroing in on him pretty much all offseason. Um, and honestly, to my defense, I got I to gotta come on and defend myself. Um, he wasn't very good previously in his career. Um, he, he's had his moments, but um, overall, he's been burned a lot. Um, he's gotten a lot of defensive pass interference penalties um and it's just been a whole lot of that but through three games he looks pretty damn good um and that touchdown last night was not his fault at all it's a beautiful throw and, and an even better catch by terry mclaurin so um can't fault him there um but yeah he's done he's done a phenomenal job uh haha clinton Dix has done a phenomenal job and th- those two guys were my biggest worries um on this defense heading into the year and they're giving me nothing to worry about so um you know i'm, I'm even higher on this team moving forward just solely based on that yeah, I mean, I think, uh, again, it's kind of like Chris said, we say the same thing every week about this defense, just in different words, and it's becoming increasingly harder to find different words to say about this defense. Um, I mean, any last points about the defense? I mean, we, we I, I'm going to say it again. There's not much more we could say. Best defense in the league, defensive player in the, uh, of the year, likely uh, on the team. Haha, Clint Dix looks awesome. Eddie Jackson looks awesome. Everybody looks awesome. Um one last point that I want to make about the defense now that I'm actually there and I'm just rambling, but shout out Prince of Mukamara for seeing that hurdle from three miles <laughs> away and just yeah. absolutely oh, yeah. not fighting on that. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. Saved yeah. himself from being on, on uh, the wrong side of sports centers, top 10. But uh, <laughs> yeah. one thing to mention that we have to talk about, Akeem Hicks walked yeah. off the field gingerly in the fourth quarter. Uh, Matt Nagy today in his press conference said, quote, I really believe it's more of a wear and tear type thing. I think he'll be okay. Again, Akeem Hicks, man. This guy is not going to allow, not going to, not, God, I don't know. He's not going to not want to be on the field. He will be on the field in such a crucial game against the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think you have to have any worry about Akeem Hicks. Uh, you know, it, it, there's no MRI being taken. There's no x-ray being taken. It's just, uh, you know, down in the trenches, you get banged around a little bit. I think he'll be totally fine. But you just had to notice that since he did not finish the rest of that game. And you guys also mentioned a little earlier how the Bears let up. It was actually really weird. In that fourth quarter, Khalil Mack wasn't on the field a lot with that comfortable league. So I just want to know, what you guys make of that? Because it got a little bit scary. And, you know, it seemed like Aaron Lynch and Isaiah Irving were on the field a lot. And I was kind of wondering myself, are they just precautionarily keeping Khalil Mack out for health reasons uh, just to keep him safe since this is a pretty much a game that was set and done uh what do you guys make of that do you oppose that do you think he's a, he should still be out there when it's third with 28 to 10 or whatever it was 28 to uh yeah i think i don't remember exact but what do you guys make of that um i you know i don't i don't really have a problem with it um as long as nagy feels like you know he, he's comfortable with the lead whatever I, I don't really have a problem with it but um you know this whole thing it kind of sucks. It's all objective. Like if he keeps him out there and he gets hurt, um, you know, they're, they're 
they're going to be calling for Nagy's head. If he, you know, benches him and the team comes back, they're going to be calling for his head. So it's like, it, it kind of depends on the result um, uh, to, to, you know, whatever happens for people to, to kind of make their opinion on this. But I don't really have a problem with it. Um, I Even when the game got kind of like a little bit nerve wracking, I didn't really feel like the Redskins were going to truthfully come back in the game at any point. So um, I personally don't have a problem with it, no. Uh, I also do not have a problem with it. I think the comfortable lead that you had, again, it's a bad Redskins team. You have the Vikings coming, and then you have uh, your tough stretch coming up in uh, about three weeks coming up after the bye. So, you know, you don't want your guys, especially your best player, to be worn down or risk an injury by the time that stretch of Saints, Chargers, yeah. Lions, and uh, Philly Eagles comes up. So I'm fine with it. I mean, he had his reps. He was playing well. He deserves it. <laughs> Cleo Mack deserves a little rest against the Washington Redskins, the 0-3 Washington Redskins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you noted that You noted that wear and tear, right? It's worth noting that next game, six days, you have a smaller amount of time before that next game. So that's probably another right. reason. Uh, you know, and that's another reason I think Akeem, it wasn't a huge issue that he left the game early. Again, if this is a one-score game and, you know, the Redskins are threatening, yeah, I don't even think Akeem Hicks would even be out of the game at that point. I think he'd still be fighting in there because, obviously, it was, it was I mean, a must-win game, and we all knew they were going to win it. But uh, with six days until the next game, with that short time period, you'd rather just be precautionary. Don't, you know, work him too much so they can be healthy against a huge game uh, against the Vikings. Definitely. All right, boys. Well, this has well, been another one more oh, thing. So one more, one thing. more thing. One more thing. All right, go for it. Eddie Pinheiro, huge shout out to him. My you God. know, he had he was dealing with the knee injury and he did miss a field goal. But my God, I mean, what a fighter! And, and this is what you want to see from not just a kicker, but any player: the will to work for your team and fight for your team and be out there for your team. And he still produced. He hit uh, a field goal. He had all of his extra points. He just missed that one where you could tell uh, something was a little bit up. So, hell of a job. Shout out to, to Eddie Pinheiro for, for toughing it out, being out there for the team. And, you know, if Cody Parkey, honestly, I, I feel like if Cody Parkey had a small knee injury from the locker room, he probably wouldn't have played. And, and that's just what I like from, from Eddie Pinheiro as from a character standpoint, from just a, a player standpoint. He's a guy that wants it, and he wants it bad, and he proved that against the Redskins. Yeah, 100%. Huge shout-out to Eddie P. That's a warrior. Um, and I, I do believe we have found our kicker, uh, fellas. Yeah. Elvis man in Chicago. Yep. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, this has been another edition of Bears Nation podcast. We will be back to you later in the week to do the Vikings preview, get you primed for that game, get you ready for that game. All the information, we'll probably know more about Bobby Massey, about Akeem Hicks, about Eddie Pinheiro by that time, and we'll get you our reactions, our predictions. You know the drill. You know the good stuff, and we are excited to bring that to you. So thanks for listening. Shout out to Josh Lyles for being on half the podcast from an Olive Garden. He had to go <laughs> inhale those unlimited breadsticks. So we will get out of here, too. But as always, thank you for listening. Smash that like and rate button. And we'll see you later this week. Until then, bear down. Mm-hmm.